Welcome to the High Performance Health Podcast with your host, Angela Foster. The show where we talk about everything you need to break through limits and achieve a high performance mind, body and lifestyle. In today's episode, I am excited to share a fascinating conversation with former world boxing champion, personal performance coach, author and professional speaker, Billy Schwa. Since retiring from boxing, Billy works with business leaders to inspire and empower their effectiveness, win more often and experience more success in life. In this captivating conversation, Billy and I discuss how he created Billy the Boxer, marked by a decision to never be beaten at the young age of five. We talk a lot about mindset, success and failure and how following retirement, Billy mourned the loss of Billy the Boxer and ultimately ended up losing his marriage, his home, and culminating in bankruptcy. Billy explains how he changed his mindset and turned his life around, discussing his empowering concept of mental boxing and his seven-step winning formula for success. This is an upbeat and engaging conversation, and if you enjoy it, please be sure to leave a review. So, I am here with the great Billy Schwa former British Commonwealth, European and world boxing champion. He's now a personal performance coach and a professional speaker. He's recently released a new book um, called Man Up, which is all about mental boxing and the way of the world champion. Yay! Yay! Here we are. How are you, Billy? I'm living the dream. Living the dream. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. It is Monday. It's great to have you on the show. So, Billy, I've just kind of brought you in here and um, given a little bit of background on you, but do you want to share with the audience a bit more about yourself? So, right, so obviously I started boxing from a very young age. I was eight years of age. Started my first contest when I was 11. Wow. So I... That's young, isn't it? I mean, in boxing terms, is that young? It's kind of, no, some fighters start later, but it's kind of... It's How did you get into boxing at the age of eight? Yeah, so what, what took you there? So, so my dad was a boxer. Okay. But what had me become a boxer, a fighter, was my two older sisters, Mandy and Lisa. Wow. So we, so if you just, I take you back to being in my mum and dad's front room when I was five years of age with Mandy and Lisa. Lisa was eight and mm-hmm. Mandy was eleven. Right. And we're rolling around the floor, they're beating me up again, and I used to pin me to the floor. So I used to lie, I'd be lying on my back, I used to have one sitting on my chest, and one used to pin my arms <laughs> They're back. quite feisty sisters, and, uh, <laughs> feisty so girls. I, so I was kicking and screaming and fighting, I just couldn't fight them off. Now I used to get so upset, I used to hyperventilate and turn blue, because I thought I was going to die, I couldn't breathe. I was like, oh my Ugh. gosh. And what they used to do, they both had beautiful long blonde hair. And as I'm pinned to the floor, they used to wave their hair in my face. And they, <laughs> they, they used to sing to me, Billy, don't be a hero, don't be a... Remember that song? Yes. I said, for, for the older guys listening to this, you'll yeah, know he'll paper, remember it. paper lace. That. So it was in that moment I made the decision. I decided that no one was ever going to beat me, dominate me, hurt me, or get on top of me ever again. Wow. So you actually remember that moment that you're like, this is it, I've had yeah, enough. So, so that's that's my kind of first memory. So in, in that very same moment, I made a, an unconscious decision about myself. 
Right. Now, I didn't know that at the time. I was five years of age, so I wouldn't know that. But I made a decision that I was weak. So then I had to find a way yeah. to prove and cover up and survive being weak. So I didn't want anyone to know. So that decision that I made as a five-year-old shaped my future, as yeah. it does for all of us. Yeah, sure. So when I go and speak at events or coach people, it's like I get really people to have a look and inquire into why they do what they do. Because I believe there's always back. a reason why we do what we do. 100%. So that was my reason why I became a boxer, was to cover up and survive something. So then that shapes my future, because we all, we all have an opinion of ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. So my mum says opinions are like belly buttons. We've all got one, and they're yeah, all different. Yeah, we've all got them. And they're all formed, and like, all really early on that's as well, so, like, at long, a very young age, sub seven, actually, often. So, so, so that's how Billy the Boxer got created, from okay. five years of age, from that decision I made then shaped my future, that decision. I went out into the future, then I kept, I lived into that future. So my whole life has all been about trying to prove something, trying to prove I'm good enough and I'm not weak. Right. So that's, so then, so then I'm five, so eight years of age. So my dad was a boxer, so I used to see his boxing gloves, his black and white boxing pictures in the loft. And it was kind of, my mum's brother used to be a professional boxer. Oh, wow. So on so both sides kind of, of the family. It was kind of in the, in, it wasn't, I can't really recall it being a conversation that we would have a lot, but this is what my dad says. My dad said that I asked him to take me down to the gym. So, so my dad took me down to the gym and then I started boxing. So then my dad set up a gym at the Holy Ghost Center in Luton, in the back of the church. Right. So we started training all young kids and that's when I started. And I was, I, was, I was quite good at it. I was good at it. So my first contest when I was 11, but then what happened was, it was, I think it was my... Uh, might have been my third amateur boxing fight, I think it was. And I was boxing, so I won my first two fights. Yeah. And I was, you remember the big black tie events? Yeah. The gentlemen's evenings in a big complex. Yeah. Uh, my third amateur boxing fight there. And I remember boxing three rounds. And there's a guy called Jason Meager, who I know to this day. He's a love, he's, we're friends now. Okay. So I'm boxing Jason. And uh, so I go to the set of the ring after three rounds and I'm waiting the decision. And so I think I've won. And uh, they make the announcement, ladies and gentlemen, the winner is Jason Mega. So they put his hand up, and I'm absolutely devastated. Oh, my God. So and how old are you at this so point? I'm 11. This is when you're still 11. I'm 11. Okay. I'm 11. So, I'm, so my dad's my trainer. He's, my dad's, I'm absolutely in bits devastated. I'm crying my eyes out. I can remember it so clearly. I'm devastated. So in that moment, I made another decision that I wasn't good enough. No. Subconsciously. So there I am, eleven years of age, I think I'm not I'm weak and I'm not good enough. So those so those decisions I made just shaped my future. Then so when I look back, so I'm eleven years of age that time, so I then um I become a world champion twenty years later. But as a pro, like so from eleven, ten or so, fifteen years later, I used to enter into the professional boxing ring prepared not to come out. I was willing to give my life. Kill wow. or be killed. I was going to say, you said to me, kill or be killed. Kill or be killed. So that was my existence. I used to step into the ring prepared not to come out. I would give it, I would give my life to it, which is, where does that come from? What's all that about? Yeah. So that, but that's, it, it was born out of those two experiences. So I would go into the ring as a professional fighter prepared not to come out just to try to prove something. I'm just curious, how was your dad with you? Did he have any impact? You know, when, when you think back to when you were five and you're kind of being beaten up by your sisters, yeah. was and your dad saying, oh, come on, you big sissy or anything no, like that? No, no none no, of that. And, and my sister wasn't beating me up, really. Not no, really. Not it was just fun. It was just But fun. it had an impact on kids you. Being kids. But then what I was bullied, you could call it bullying, by uh, there was some older kids. 
so teenagers when I was sort of nine, ten, eleven. Remember, you've seen it in films where yeah. the little kids in the middle and the bullies are pushing them around in a circle. Yeah, sure. So I can recall that as well. So I, I got, I kind of got bullied around that age as well. So that shaped my future because I, I can remember again getting pushed around by these older, older teenagers. And again, I would get, I'd be crying, I'd be upset, I'd be hyperventilating, not being able to breathe. It was like mm-hmm. it was such, it was it had such an impact on me. Yeah, sure. And it gave you that power, I suppose, when you were in the ring to actually fight. Well, I guess I've reflected on it. It's such a pivotal moment because I I could have become a victim Mm -hmm. of that circumstance. Sure. But then I went the other way. So rather than becoming a victim, I I kind of used it. It kind of energised me to go on to create. You could draw on that energy. I I drew on it, yeah. But it's all at a subconscious level because... A lot of us, I believe, are walking around and just unconscious. We don't really know who we are, why we're doing what we're doing, and our actions, our behaviours, the patterns that we're running. There's just a lot of just at an unconscious level. When do you think you became aware of these unconscious patterns, or have you had to work on yourself yeah, to get I, to this I, point? I pulled myself to pieces <laughs> looking at who is being. And put yourself back together. So I so then obviously at my first contest when I was 11, so let's go 20 years into the future, I become world champion, then I lose my world title. Then, so it, it was in that moment. Then, I started to pull myself to pieces, looking at who I was. Because right. when I retired from boxing, that that transition from being an athlete to life in the real world was one I really struggled with. Mm. I, I just didn't know how to deal with that transition. I really, I went for an identity crisis. I think that's very common. Yeah. Particularly when you've had so much success. Yes. Um, and it's driven you from what age five, and then all of a sudden that part is not in your life anymore. Pretty and it hard. Was kind of, it was kind of had to mourn. It was like something died, and it was like to go through a process, a mourning process of Billy, Billy the boxer mm. died, and I had to let that go. And I, you look at a lot of athletes, they struggle with that, mm. and they can't let it go. A lot of fighters, especially, we make comebacks all the time. I thought about coming back all the time. But I knew in my heart that I wouldn't be any better than I was in my last fight. Yeah. And my last fight ended up in hospital. I ended up in the yeah, back tell of us it. about that, because that, that was when you got the world title. So that was when I lost my what, world title. was when title. you lost it, okay, yeah, the so, one after. So, yeah, so when I lost my world title, but knocked out in the 11th round, and I, I ended up going to hospital. But I, was, I went in style, I went in the ambulance. <laughs> so I'm in the back of the ambulance, so on the way to the Royal Free Hospital in London, Sirens are blaring, we're dodging through the traffic, and it's in. I remember lying there again, really clearly. I can remember lying there thinking to myself, you know what, my life as I know it is over. That was what I knew, and that was when I made the decision to retire from boxing. That was in I, that moment, in that moment, but wasn't really clear in that moment. But when I look back now, that was I'm clear now that that, that was a decision that I made mm. subconsciously. But then what I did was. Again, I made a subconscious decision that my life's over. What's the point? I no longer had a point. I no longer had a purpose, a vision, a future. I couldn't see a future for myself outside of the boxing ring. And I kind of got lost. I felt empty. I felt alone. I was struggling, really suffered. And And how did you come back from that? Because the thing is, I mean, what I know is from so many successful people, not just athletes as well, but failure is a huge part of success. Um, what would you say, how did you come back from that moment and get to where you are today? Yeah, so, so now, sitting here with you, I'm happier, more fulfilled and satisfied than I've ever been, ever. 
So then what is that? How do we get Even that? when you were a world champion yeah, at the peak? Yeah, because winning the world title just wasn't quite as sweet as what I thought it was going to be. One of the reasons being that I ended up in hospital, and mm -hmm. then I, I was in hospital for two days. We'd organised a big after-fight party in Luton, my hometown, and I, I kind of missed the party. Everyone got really drunk without me, and everyone's going, where's Billy, where's Billy? And I'm stuck in the Luton and dancing in the oh, hospital no. for two days. Again fearful of my life because I had a friend of mine killed in the ring. I know guys that have been brain damaged. It's a brutal business. It is brutal. It's a brutal business and I've feared for my life but I was prepared to lose my life. That's how committed I was. So that's, that's a kind of a mindset that is. That is a strong mindset. Yeah, so that's like, yeah, that's powerful. Do you think that that really was the foundation of your success? That you Absolutely. had that unwavering yeah. commitment? Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, you go all in? All in. All to the death. Yeah. And that, that's... That's what happened because I I wasn't I'm not, I'm not the best boxer in the world I'm not I wouldn't say that but I've just got that I'm just so headstrong yeah and I would tr out train you I just out just that was my mindset I would go to the death because that's that that's how I created myself and I was willing to I was willing it's a willingness to go beyond anything and were there ever um, points at which you have self-doubt and you think i can't do this anymore i can't keep going who would be was it the voice in your own head that would keep you along those lines and that undying commitment yeah or did you have a mentor how did you it was self it was just self-driven self-driven my trainer would have to slow me down he would have to tell me to stop because i'd always do too much okay because i was i was coming from a place of lack i was coming from a place of fearful of my life and trying to prove something. So that was such a driving force. I was moving away from not being good enough and I'm weak. And that had me be world class. Yeah. So so I ended up being world class, but I wasn't really fulfilled and satisfied with it because it was never enough anyway. It's interesting. So many successful people will say that it's the journey, not the destination. And when they get to where they want to yeah. be, they realise actually the yeah. journey was the most fun part. Would so you now now Would I'm you on, say that? Now I'm on the second journey. Yeah. And now I'm... In a completely different space because my learning and my lessons that I've got from that experience about becoming a world-class athlete a world champion those those lessons so now I, I, I embrace them all and that's why when I'm coaching people I, I could I can speak from an experience of when I retired from boxing going through depression I a couple of years well, the worst two years of my life as a 31 year old man depression I wrecked my marriage I ended up going through a divorce I lost my money went bankrupt I lost everything my home was repossessed I had no money had no future I moved back in with my parents I felt like a complete failure wow. and I hit the bottom and as I crashed and I hit rock bottom and it's in that moment as I was in my going through my personal crisis kind of struggled so much it's so painful I felt like a complete failure and it's I realized that you know what my future is my responsibility so I better do something about it and in that moment because I know there's so many people that hit that rock bottom what defined that moment for you what gave you the strength to come out and say right actually no I'm going to go back out fighting in life now and yeah. I'm going to you know take responsibility what how did you get arrive at that it was just, I got to the old, that old cliche, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I was okay, there. Okay, you were there. I was sitting there, and I can remember it clearly. I had a beautiful little flat in St. Albans, sitting there going, oh, just, man, I'm just struggling. Mm. I just, yeah, just, I was really depressed. Yeah. And I just wanted to escape. I just couldn't be with where I was at. Because where, where I was at just wasn't, I did, 
I didn't expect I was going to be here. Yeah. I've been top of the bill in Las Vegas. So I won the world title on my fourth attempt. So I'd failed three times. I know all about failure. Mm. So then I felt like a failure again. And winning the world title just wasn't just wasn't it because it ran out too quickly. Yeah. I lost my world title on my first defence I mean, three months later because who I was in that moment, I was greedy, I was reckless, I was impatient, I was a bit mindless. I had my first defence too soon because I still had concussion from my title win. Okay, so you almost should have taken a break. I should have had a long, a pop reflection. Hindsight's a wonderful thing. Yeah, of course. I should have, I should have taken longer, a longer break before my first defence. Yeah. I remember, I remember training for my first defence, getting punched in the head, thinking this don't feel right. But me being me, listen, we need, we need protecting. Fighters need protecting. We need, our, we're our own worst enemies. And how was your trainer at that point? Because yeah, you were saying he he was yeah. the one trying to hold you back. Was he yeah, trying he, to hold you back from that no, fight? No, no, because nobody could tell me nothing. I was just pig-headed. And I was, okay. And I didn't tell anyone. Nobody knew that. Right, I okay. I didn't tell nobody that. Because I didn't, I didn't want anyone to stop me. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So my yeah. dad obviously has been in my corner for all of my fights. He was there with me. Then I got my boxing trainer. Then I got my manager, my cuts man. So I, got, I had the dream team. Of, they were beautiful. But... Um, yeah, I wouldn't tell no one. So then I was just prepared and it was business. Yeah. Business as usual. Yeah, and went for the next one. Yeah. Um, and now you're doing an amazing thing because now you're helping people transfer those skills that you learn as a boxer and through your life experiences. And I know you've got a book out, Man Up, The, yeah. um, the World Champion Way. Um, and you also go in and teach people and educate them about how to succeed. Can yes. you elaborate a bit yeah, more so, on that? So, so the, the words mental and boxing, they came together when I was in the midst of a depressive episode. Okay. And I was, I was, think, I was going, I was having this internal battle with myself, thinking, can I, can't I? What's, I was really struggling. And it was, um, I was just having a, a mental boxing match. So I, was having, so I thought to myself, I'm having a mental boxing match. This is mental boxing. Going back and forth in your own head. Yeah, and that's, yeah. that's the battle that we all have yeah. every day. So that's that's sure. so that's how so that's how I come up with those two words and put it together, and that's obviously my trademark. Mm -hmm. So mental boxing because it's getting people to just to realise that they're having a mental boxing match with their voice in their heads. The can I, the can't I, shouldn't I? But every human interaction has an element of mental boxing. The one with yourself, yeah. The one with others, yeah. Trying to out language, out manoeuvre, out think, out smart, trying mm -hmm. to. We're not listening. We're trying to think about what to say next rather than listening. It's kind of, we have a mental boxing experience mm -hmm. and then mental boxing in intimate relationships. I mean, have you had a... Yeah, that's a, true. Yeah, have absolutely. Have you ever had a disagreement or an argument with a partner? Yeah. I mean, who wins that one? Yeah. So it's like, it's the mental boxing. That's what it's, it's always about. there. It's always a boxing, present. A boxing is a great metaphor for life. Yeah, for sure. And business. So I go into businesses and I've, I've created a seven-step winning formula. So again, it's all about performance. So I've created this, so boxing's a metaphor. So I go through my seven steps. Can you take us through those seven yeah, steps so, briefly? So my intention is that when I go into, when I work with anybody, it's getting them to, giving them an access to thinking and feeling differently about their future. So it's getting people, getting to get them really connected to what it is that they want and giving them an access out of where they're at. Right. Because so it all starts with from within. Yeah, it's yeah. all within. Mm. And that's it. So what, what I do is, what my skill is, is getting, giving people that access out of themselves. So then they can start to think, oh, maybe something else is available. Something can be different. Because I share my stories in such a way that it speaks into their subconscious and it gives them an access to something. 
Okay. And it allows something else to start to show up. Wow, that's very powerful. Yeah, so that's, and it's all done. And you do that in group settings, do you? Groups or individuals, yes. Yeah, one so groups. So generally, I kind of work well with sales teams because uh-huh. they've got a budget. They've got a budget they want to spend on their, their training their staff. And I'm all about performance and boxing kind of relates to sales. It's a battle, it's a challenge. We get confronted, we get, re- we get knocked back. Yeah, exactly. It's those knockbacks, isn't it? So that's the thing. How do you come back from the knockbacks? Boxing's yeah. such a great, yeah. So step number one is win or lose, you choose. So you choose your mindset. Win or lose, you choose. Yeah. So we choose, we kind of get, we can figure out, oh yeah, I choose to win, I know that one. But do we choose to lose? So if you think about the choices that we make, maybe the choices, the things that we're not doing, that's a choice, that which may have us lose. Okay. So something to consider and think about, the, the win or lose, you choose. So you may choose subconsciously to lose, but you might not realise it. Because you might be sabotaging yourself or you might not be doing something that you should be doing. Yes. Or there might not be congruency with your aim and the way you're thinking and what you're attracting. Yeah. So Yeah, yeah, that's it. So so subconsciously you might be choosing to lose. If you're aware of that and you start to look at and inquire into the choices that you're making moment by moment, because if you think about it, the choices and decisions that we've made in the past have us be the way that we are right now. Yeah, we're here We're here today Based because of tiny habits that are taken That's over it. a period of time. So then it's the future. So look, so the choices and decisions you make right now are going to impact the future. Yeah. So if you're aware of that, you may, moment by moment, you may, if, you're, if you're consciously aware of that, you might make different decisions. You might choose a different pathway. Yeah, that's very powerful. And your, and your behaviours and choices, and it's just the little subtle things over time will impact your future. But a lot of this, so, so, the, so the unconscious choice that I made as a five-year-old, as an 11-year-old, shaped my future and had me go a certain way. And I was very successful in what I chose to do. Mm. But then, what had, here's the thing, it's a paradox. What had me be a champion in the ring was having me fail outside. So How do you mean? Can you expand on that? So bit? as so, a fighter, so yes. as a fighter, I'm reckless. I'm selfish, I'm domineering, I'm aggressive, I'm always right. Right, it's right. hard to win at life with that mindset. So, ask my ex-wife, mm. she'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> Bless her. We get on great now. So I'm very good at I've gone back and cleaned my message. You have. I've made a lot of message, yeah. So so if you, those things that had me win just don't work in life or no, in business. That's true. But they're all subconsciously, they're just happening. Mm. So the, the point is, if you look at your life, and if you're happy, fulfilled and satisfied, then you're doing the right things. But if you're not, if you think there's more, that's the bit to start to dismantle and have a look. Have a look, inquire into what's not working. That's what I've done. I've gone back and I've looked at all my areas of life that are not working. I've kind of dismantled them all. So I'm interested in well, why is that not working? Why, right. why have I failed so many times in relationships? Mm-hmm. Co- all right, because Billy the boxer, don't work in Billy the relationship. I don't know how to yes. be anything else. Yeah. So it's, I've had to learn to be Billy. Yeah, of course. And be be able to... And do you think you've had to also... Because I think it takes tremendous mental toughness to fight. It's not just the physical side. Do you think that you've now, when you've gone through this dismantling process, you've had to start to be kinder to yourself as well? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and just ev- to forgive yourself because... Yeah. and everyone else. And everyone else, yeah. Yeah, because I was so... But you almost can't. You almost can't be kinder to everyone else until you're kind to yourself. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I didn't know how to be like that anyway. So no. I didn't know how to be. I didn't know how to be not Billy the boxer. 
Yeah. So I didn't know how to be anything else because I was that from eight years of age. So my training and my conditioning is fight, attack, defend, resist and confront. That's who I am. Right. That's who I am. Wow. That's quite confrontational in a, yeah, so in a life format anything, though, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah. In anything other than boxing. So that's who shows up all the time. Yeah. So Billy, that's who Billy is. But that ain't who Billy is. Billy is a lot of other things. Yeah. But I don't know that until I know that. So I have to go and look. Who yeah. else is that in? Because that wasn't working. So when I was sitting in my flat, sick and tired of being sick and tired, I kind of realized I crashed. I thought, right, you need to, listen, you need to get responsible. You need to do something about where you're at. So that's when I went to work um, on myself. And where did you look? Did you, was there a kind of guru you followed or was there therapy you had? Like who was helping you through that process? I was doing, I was trying to do it all on my own. Okay. Because that's what I do. Yeah. Figuring it all out. you've always been on your own. I'm, I'm a self-driven fighter. soul fighter. Yeah, we're out there on our own. Mm. But we've got a big team around us. But when, when the bell goes, we step forward, they step back. Yeah. We're out there on your own. So that's kind of who I am in life. I'm a bit of a loner. So then, um, so why, I was going through this tough period of time. A very good friend of mine, Dave, he t- was talking about a program called the Landmark Forum. Right. So we so we spoke about that, and I thought that sounds brilliant. I'll go and do that. And then I kind of we was we was at, on holiday actually uh, at a place called Lindos, the Old Rose. He had a bar there, so okay. we was all there on holiday and stuff. It's something his brother's birthday, and uh, so I thought that sounds brilliant. I come back and I kind of lose contact with Dave. I completely forget all about the conversation that we had. I carry on fumbling my way through, struggling, suffering, in pain. How long was this going on for this now? This was kind of a two-year period. Wow, okay. So then, uh, so then uh, something triggered something off in my brain about what Dave was talking about. I'd lost contact with Dave and he'd sold his bar and I, I couldn't get hold of him anymore. But something in, the, in my subconscious was asking the question. So then I, I actually went back on holiday to the same place and... He sold his bar. He's not supposed to be there. And I'm walking through these little cobble streets in on the, in this little village called Lindos. And who do I bump into? I Him. bump into Dave. And there I go, Dave, what was that wow. thing that he was telling me about? And wow, so that moment was meant to happen. Yeah, if you're into the law of attraction. Yeah, of course. All that kind of stuff. So then we had a conversation and so I said, have you got a phone number? So he brought the phone number down to the beach the next day and I rang up. I registered myself onto the next available landmark forum. So I got home on the on the Monday and I did the landmark forum on the Friday. That quickly. That quickly. And do yeah. you think in a way the two years before when you'd had it first mentioned to you, you almost weren't ready and well, you had yeah, to go through I that process. Hear it. I heard it. Yeah, that's why I you were sent it. this two years on. I said I heard it, but I wasn't ready. You went listen you heard it but you weren't listening because you didn't remember it. And it's all yeah. about listening. And it's, yeah. I said, Are you ready? And it's getting people, are they ready? Mm. So the people who I'm working with, are they ready? Yeah. Because I, I can say whatever I say, but if they're not listening, if they're not willing to listen and take it on and be coachable. Yeah. That's the same with my own clients. I mean, if they're not ready yet yeah. to make a change, yeah. all the coaching in the world isn't going to change it at that it's point. Like, it's like banging your head against the wall, mm. which is frustrating for us because we mm. probably end up wanting it more than them. Yeah. And it's, it's, yeah. it's tiring. I mean, what would you say to somebody who's struggling with a change that they're trying to make? right now and want to accelerate that process in a way um what's been instrumental i mean are you somebody that uses meditation up. a lot got, for they example they've got to man up they've got to man ladies up and well. face it ladies you've got to man up 
You've woman got up. Woman up. <laughs> you got a woman up. So, so if you're listen, if you're not if you're not in the right place or you're not happy or fulfilled or sad or something's missing, then you got to, you got to hold your hands up and man up. But man up is not what you think it is because man man you think man up would be aggressive, yeah. and all that like I used to be, but it's not. It's completely the opposite. It's about being vulnerable. It's about showing up, having conversations, yeah, and being willing to go somewhere else where you've not been before inside inside your mind and do you think do you find have you found that meditation helps in terms of accessing that inner state has that been part of your journey or yeah i meditate now very much into that mm. but before that it's like a, it's a willingness to realize where you're at and if what you're doing ain't working that's the bit tough it's that bit there and then then there's obviously meditation then we like, obviously then there's physical well-being nutritional well-being yeah all of that stuff is so important, and it's um. But so first of all, you've got to recognise, be willing to hold your hands up and go, okay, right. So this is not working. Let's have a look then. Mm. And then go go outside of yourself because if you keep, if you listen to yourself, that's not you're probably not the best person to listen to. No. Get go and get a coach. Well, also the thinking that got you here isn't going to get you out, is it? That's, that's the thing. And it's got, I was just in a rabbit hole going deeper yeah. and deeper and deeper because I didn't know anything else. I only knew the fighter, and as I was fighting my way through life, it just wasn't working. But it so, takes courage to go. You know what? It's not working. Yeah, it takes courage to step outside courage. and yeah, to man up. Hold mm. your hands up. It takes courage to go. Listen, you know what? I need some help. Yeah, I need some help. And so who did you turn to at that? Point. So it was the landmark was the forum, landmark was it, forum, that got yeah. you through? So that was a group dynamic. Okay. 150 people in the room, there's a leader at the front, and it's just a conversation about what it is to be a human being. Ontological, it's ontological. Mm -hmm. Ontology, the study of the art and science of being. So I was in a room for three days, didn't read anything, didn't write anything, it's just a conversation, which kind of worked for me because I struggled at school with dyslexic and not very academic, but I'm now I'm an avid reader. I love educating myself. I love it. I'm like addicted to it. You're a big. I know when I spoke to you before, you're a big reader, aren't you? In terms yeah. of books, yeah, and I know like, Dr. Joe Dispenza has been a big massive, inspiration yeah, for massive, you yeah. as well. Yeah, huge. He's been incredible, profound. So the landmark forum. I did the landmark forum of August of 2003. So I don't remember many dates, but I remember that one. That was a profound moment in my life. Right. It shifted something. I come out of the room never to be the same again. So I come out of the wow. And was that the speaker or the people you met or just the overall experience the that changed the education? It's, it's the education. And they got they go through a lot of distinctions, what it is to be a human being, and it's a conversation and you can't not get it. Mm -hmm. You get it for yourself and it's the group dynamic, it's an experiential learning. Because somebody will be getting coached at the front of the room and you can see and hear yourself in that person. You think, Oh, my mum's like that, or I'm like that, or oh. that. Oh, yeah, wow. Then you've got people at the front of and you go, what have they got to complain about? It's like... It's that immersive humanity. experience, it's, isn't it? Yeah, and yeah. you can't... Yeah, if you're in a room for 40-odd hours, you're immersed. Yeah, yeah, you are. Some total immersed. immersion. Yeah, it is, yeah. So, what, like, looking back on that and the journey that you've been through, what advice would you give to your younger self? Be patient. Patience. Patience. Over yeah. and above everything. Yeah, that's what that's what it comes up for me now. I'm patient because I and I because I was in such a hurry mm. to get somewhere as a fire because I was always and I was attached to becoming something, trying to get somewhere. I was so attached to the outcome, and uh, 
It's like misery. Attachment is misery. Yeah. Yeah, as soon as you're attached, you almost yeah. need to let it go and not have the attachment. Yeah. So you know what you want and you know what you're moving yeah. towards. Yeah. But you've got to kind of trust and be patient that that will happen. But not attached. Yes, the exactly. Seven spiritual laws of success. Who wrote that? Yeah, book? Deepak Chopra. Yeah, so he. That's that. a very powerful. That's book. a great little. Yeah, book. exactly. You've got to sort of relinquish that attachment, but know exactly where you're going. So be committed. That's um. Yeah. Fully committed, but not attached. Yes. Yeah, and for let, sure. Because that because. My experience of my life in the past was I was so attached to becoming a world champion. It took me four attempts to get there. But I kind of missed the journey. Mm -hmm. I missed those years. And I didn't miss them, but they, they could have been different. It's very it's, it's easy to say now, looking back. Yeah, yeah. Because being a life of a fighter is very difficult. It's very intense, very pressurized. If every day you're waking up going sparring, it's like you're fighting every day. And it's a, it's a very intense way of life. And when you were doing it, because I know things um, shift, you know, we've got much more science now that goes into like the nutrition and the training, but was everything done for you? Were you told exactly what you had to eat, exactly how you obviously had a trainer with you, trainer, but was everything done for you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so you're, you're the commodity. You're yeah. a commodity. So when and you retire, suddenly everything's falling yeah, away, right? And that's, and that's a lot, again, a lot of people struggle with that bit. It's, you're a commodity and once you're, once you're, once you're over, then you'll disband, you'll just put over to one side and then the next one come in. And you're a business. Yes. So if you get too attached to that, and if you, we make that mean something, we take it personally. Yeah, but that's we're not, very we're powerful. Not, we're not, we are in a business. Mm -hmm. But we are the business. That's the challenge. It's hard though, isn't it, to be patient in that scenario. That's well, yeah, the thing. I, I, I just couldn't. Mm. So, so life's different now because I'm not in that in that environment, it's, um, it's a it's a different kind of thing because when you're in, it's like a, you're in a cauldron. It's like when you walk out to a fight, it's like yeah, it's like you walk as a with a lot like the last of the gladiators. Did you have a kind of routine or something that you would do before you went into the ring that was the same every time to get yourself in state? No, I, I didn't. I, I was not superstitious. I don't believe in that. Okay. So I, I believe we're just creating it all the time. But I would visualization is a big you would thing. use visualization. Yeah, so I, I, so I'd repeat and repeat and repeat. I'd visualize arriving at the venue. I'd visualize being in the change room. I'd visualize the warm up, listening to the music with the people in there, the going on the pads. Right. I'd visualize everything. I'd visualize. Would you visualize winning? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. So, I'd, so I'd, there was no I'd, doubt in your no mind doubt, when you no went doubt. into so that I'd ring, I'm going to win. So I would visualize that bit that I'd visualize getting a knock on the door. Because what happened was you'd arrive at the venue three hours before your fight and then you'd be. What because we'll be on you'll be on if you're main event, you're on you're generally the last person on, so you'll be you have somebody backwards and forwards in and out looking at what what fight numbers are now, right? Fight number two's on, what round are they in? Oh, we're on number five, so you so you're adjusting mm. your warm up and stuff, so then you get you eventually get a knock on the door, it would be like time to go, Mr. Schwer, you're on, it's like, ah, and then time. the adrenaline just and then, so then was so that excitement? Did you translate that into excitement yes, at that point? You're gloved up, you're ready. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, so that, what, how I describe that last little bit, it's like waiting for the hangman. Because here comes the pain, you know it's coming. And as you're walking out to the ring, your music's on, the, tr the, the crowd, you've got your team with you, and that's, that's, and that's it. So I used to visualise that bit, then I'd visualise the fight taking place, and I would win every time. I'd, I'd visualise it a hundred different ways I'd win every time. Then I used to visualise the after-fight interview as well. 
So I'd go okay. every, every detail. So, so every, everything was mapped out. Everything was mapped out. So then, so I'd run it, run it, run it as a story, as a, as like a, an image, as a film. And then um, when it happened, it was just kind of the next logical step. It wasn't a big deal. Do you know, that visualisation process is so powerful because I know there was a scientific study, and I think it was with basketball, if I'm remembering the one correctly, where they got two teams, um, groups of people, and some of them had to keep shooting the baskets and actually proactively practising it. And then the others, the only skill they were given was to visualise it going in the net. They weren't practising at all. And actually, the better results came from the group that visualised than the ones that actually were shooting the basket, which is a, it just shows you the power of visualization, power, yeah, yeah, yeah. of knowing where you're going. Yeah. And that's what you're helping people do now, exactly. isn't it? It's showing exactly. them the, so, the route on the journey so and how to get there. So my book is all designed around my success model. Yes. So we've Let's got, um, have a look. There's a, I call it the three Ds. There's two cycles. There's a positive cycle. So if you imagine a triangle yeah. with desire being the top, the point of the triangle, so then at the base of the triangle, you've got discipline and dedication. Now they're the positive cycle, three Ds. So desire is the starting point of all achievement, the first principle As you said in the beginning, it comes from knowing here. Knowing. Yeah, so yeah. great book, Napoleon Hill. Yeah, Think and grow read rich. that, brilliant so, book. So that's kind of been born out of there. The starting point of all achievement is knowing what you want. So a lot of us are not really clear about what it is that we do want. We're really clear about what we don't want. Yeah, but we're not clear about what we do want. So that's the bit. So, But then if you believe in the law of attraction, it doesn't hear the negative anyway. So being clear on what you don't want isn't the route to success. No, it's you, end up, what, you end up attracting what you don't want yeah, instead of... You kind of get more of it. Yeah, so that, so it's that, a bit woo-woo, but that's, so that's for some people if they're into so, that. So it's getting people to... It's, which is difficult not to focus on what they have yes. or what they don't have. And getting out of your head and getting into a future which, you, which takes some take some doing because if you're stuck in a certain situation or circumstance that you're not happy with you want out of it it's kind of you end up focusing on that a lot mm. and you kind of get stuck with it that's kind of where i was for a couple of years i was so clear you're in that fog aren't you you, yeah, can't, yeah, yeah. Just like... you can't you don't can't see a way out because it's, it's about then getting out of your head into the future about looking at what it is that you do want mm. and then kind of you have to take the power away from the from what you've got so you kind of fantasize, daydream about what it is that you do want and take the power out of what's so right now. So once you've got that and you've got that desire, what are the other pieces of the triangle? Yes, I know so this got, would help a lot of people. So How do they then... Yes, yeah, so discipline. Like, discipline. Self-discipline. That's, that's key. A lot of us are self-disciplined in certain areas, but not in all areas maybe. But then you've got to look at... And if you, if you look inside and say, am I really... So like, we know we'll pick about want to lose weight. Yeah. The health side of things, and are they, are they being self-disciplined? You kind of know if you ask that question. If someone asks you, that you kind of know inside whether you're being self-disciplined, whether you're eating the right things or eating too much or eating the wrong things, whether you're and drinking too much. I work with a lot of guys, middle-aged guys. Lifestyle. Yeah, lifestyle's a big factor. It's lifestyle, it's not congruent. But it's almost like a buffer, isn't it? Because if you're feeling a bit of pain in one area, yeah. that's a distraction, whether that's food or drink. or. That's it. But that's... do you, I mean, willpower, in terms of discipline, it's a renewable resource, isn't it? So it's yeah. renewed each day. But the more decisions that you make during that day, the more your willpower and discipline starts to drop off. Do you, are you one of those people who kind of makes life as simple as they can to minimize the number of decisions? Even down, I know... Yeah. A lot of many successful people 
will be wear very similar clothes each day because yeah. that cuts down the decision fatigue yeah. and then yeah. they can yeah, keep yeah, yeah. that discipline yeah. for their sole focus, yeah. the yeah. one thing they want to be successful yeah. at. I don't do um, wardrobe things. I love you don't things. do, because you, <laughs> you love clothes. <laughs> love clothes yeah. <laughs> but in other ways. But, but we talk about uh, willpower. Yeah. So willpower, we have willpower, but what about won't power? Yeah, what do you say no to? What do you say no to? 100%. That's, the bit. That's almost more powerful than what you say yes to. Yeah, because... That bit over time, if you can say no to stuff, that's the bit. But that brings us into the negative cycle. So if you imagine an inverted triangle, Mm -hmm. and at the bottom of the inverted triangle is disappointment, then at the base of the top of the triangle now would be doubt and distraction. So we talk about self-doubt, and you mentioned about distraction. So if we're not being self-disciplined, we may get distracted or choose our distractions. So you have to be consciously aware of what's what you choose into the structure. So a lot of us, we get pulled around. Yeah. And we think we're not in control, but we're choosing a distraction. Particularly now with like the online world and social everything. media, everything's a distraction. We've got so much coming in. Yeah. Um, but the self-doubt, I mean, I think so many people struggle with that. How yeah. did you... Um, how do you cope with that and, and remove it? Such a stop to our flow, mm. such a stop to our power, our, our inner self. Our, you know, it's, our, it's what's what our calling. That self doubt just gets that just robs us of our robs of it life. Robs it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and I think so many people it does. Of what's possible, yeah, because we doubt ourselves, and we might have had some instances in our past. We've got probably a past where we've kind of made a few mistakes. Mm. It hasn't gone well, or we've kind of then we live into that future whereas actually what you want to do is live into the future you're creating and manifesting right now so that's another step number four of my seven step winning formula is you're only as good as your next fight which means you're only as good as the future that you're living into yeah because you're only as good as the future you're designing and creating because like salespeople, you do the deal then it's done you've got to move on to the next one you have a fight you win the championships then that's done you move on to the next one so you're only good as that future that you keep living into. So the future that you live into gives you a certain way of being in the present moment. Mm-hmm. So if you have a lot of people who are at work they, on a Sunday, what are they like on a Sunday afternoon? And if they're not happy in their jobs, Sunday afternoon could be with their family, having their lunch or whatever, then they're kind of not feeling great. It's Sunday night, yeah, feeling. Because they're sun, Sunday, but they're at work already. They're Monday, they're, they're ahead of themselves. Because the future that they're living into is... Monday at work. Yeah. Monday at work, traveling in commute, the commute, they kind of could be there already and not enjoying the moment. Yeah, that's true. So that, so it's that combination, it's, isn't it, of being in the moment, but future pacing where you want to be. So then, so when I retired from boxing, I no longer had a future. I didn't have a future. So that's why I went into depression. I didn't have a purpose or a future. I didn't have anything to live into. I didn't have an expert. Well, you know, it's interesting because I've been um, in writing my own book, studying quite a bit about the blue zones, which are pockets of the world where people live a long time and there isn't real a prevalence of chronic disease. And one of the things that comes out in terms of longevity is that sense of purpose, that innate sense of purpose that drives you is actually linked to health. And so, you know, what you're saying really resonates. You know, if you don't know your purpose and you don't know where you're starting. I can't wait to read your book. That's that's, that's, going to be such a great such a great thing purpose so my thing again is about is getting people to look at uh are they living with passion power and purpose i like that passion that's, power and purpose that's my business card yeah so so it's like it's like have a look at that and it's like if you're not then there's something to consider 
So that's why the, in the, I mean, I'm about inspiring people and empowering people to live with passion, power and purpose. Yeah, absolutely. I like that. I like that a lot. And I, I mean, I love your book. I want to, um, I'm going to link to this for all the listeners there. Yeah, we'll link to this yeah. in the show notes. Um, where can where can they get your book, Billy? It's on Amazon. It's on Amazon. Um, so there's you've got the book and the Kindle version of the book is there. But I've got um, I've got a very special offer which will be coming out very soon. So there's going to be okay. There's going to be a book. There's going to be some coaching programs. Okay. There's going to I've created and designed a coaching program which sits with the book. Okay. So the book is not there's no chapters in the book. There's rounds. There's rounds. So I like that. I know. I noticed that when I was reading. It. I love it. It's a, a brilliant book. We have a warm up and then we have twelve rounds. Which is all based around this success model that I've created. So I've also designed a six-week training camp. Oh, fantastic. Which is going to be an online training for small groups of people. And we're going to go to work and really look at... And you'll be working with them personally on this. Personally, me, small groups of people, online. So we do that on a weekly basis. That's the thing. That's 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 all coming up. And then I'll do my one-on-one coaching stuff. So there's... Yeah, loads of great Getting stuff. coached is key, I think. I is mean, it? I know we're both coaches, yeah. but then we have coaches as well. And yeah. I think that's the thing you know when yeah. you are a coach is that if you're not getting coached, yeah. you can't even become better yourself as a coach and deliver that value to so other people. We're, we're, it's acceptable for athletes who have coaches. Mm. We kind of know that. Yeah. That's just accepted. A lot of business people, they have coaches. Very successful business people have coaches. Yeah, yeah. But then sometimes we need to coach for our lives as well. If you look at the people that we've lost... Amy Winehouse, George Michael, Robin Williams, Michael Jackson. These extraordinary so people that just couldn't manage their lives. Yeah. So we, we need help sometimes. I needed yeah. help. Yeah. And I, and I kind of found my way through, through my own experiences. I've been, I'm, that's, that's what I'm about. And where can people find out more about you, Billy? Online, on your website? Where, on web, so we'll mental link boxing, to that. Yeah, mental, yeah, billyshwell.com or mentalboxing.com. Okay, great. I'm on all the platforms. I'm on LinkedIn. All the social media Twitter, platforms. Yeah, so I'm up in my game on the social media front. Brilliant. So there's, yeah, I'm on Facebook. Come and, come and join my Facebook group. So that's, okay, so, so I'll that's, link to all of that in the show notes. Fantastic. And to the book, which I have to say is an absolutely brilliant book. Um, it's a great read and very, very practical advice. Um, Billy, can I just ask you one last question um, before you go? What is your mantra for life? So my mantra for life is is about being patient, have some patience. Yeah. But what my thing is really now is getting people to commit to your dreams, take inspired action, and make it happen. And it's taking it, wow, it's the it's inspired powerful. action. So action's action. Yes. If you can get inspired about what it is that you're doing. The You've got to be fired talking. up, haven't so, you? So that's it. Yeah. yeah, take inspired action. Daily. Brilliant. Daily. Moment by moment. Yeah, no, when that's lose, the thing. When they'll lose, you choose. When they'll lose, yeah. KO fear. Confront and challenge your fears. Fight for what you want. You're only good as your next fight, the future that you're living into. So then you've got to take a few on the chin as well. That's another step. Yes. Life may not go the way that you want it to. And yeah. rarely does. And but rarely then all does. these little diversions Absolutely. are leading us. And it's about jabbing and moving. Mm. It's about looking for new opportunities, new ways of winning and new openings. And being flexible. And being, yeah. That's it. Being flexible, having that ability and that willingness to, to move. And then that's step number seven is boxing clever. So it's about incorporating and using those first six steps and you'll be boxing clever. So if you're boxing clever, you're, you're kind of conscious. And you're okay. doing all the stuff. You're looking after yourself physically. You're doing everything. You're doing everything. You're reading. You're mentally. How you're feeling. What you're filling your head with. Who do you surround yourself with? What yeah. do you listen to? 
What do you read? Yeah, what are you engaged in? What are you doing when you're stuck in traffic? What are you, eating? Are you listening to something good? Yeah, what, are you, yeah. what are you eating? What are you putting in your body? Have you maintained a really, I mean, you look super fit, so I know I, this I, is the yeah. case, but would you say that even coming out as an, as an ex-athlete now, I think that physical activity and staying super fit is so crucial to that energy and actually being able to deliver to yourself. Yeah, so I'm, um, I'm, I'm coming up to being 50. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to live to 130. So I'm, I'm not even halfway there yet. No. So, so the, the exercise I'm doing now is very different to what I used to do when I was a fighter. Mm-hmm. So I'm very mindful of not overtraining because I think a lot of middle-aged people can they, they can overtrain. A lot of guys you see them, yeah, they buy these five grand bikes, they start doing triathletes and yeah, triathletes. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah sure. so so my, I just I do what's effective. I'm very I'm, I fast. I do a lot of fasting. Okay. I'm very mindful of that. I'm, I supplement my diet. I eat the best I can, and then I uh, I exercise. I do body weight training. I do resistance training. I run occasionally. I don't do too much of anything, really. Flexibility. I think that's the thing. You've got to focus on everything. Because real fitness comes from power, speed, flexibility, strength, endurance. And unless I think you have all those, and I think that's the mistake people will make often, is that they'll focus on one thing. So it's like, right, I'm an endurance athlete, and that's all I'm going to do. And they're absolutely hammering their bodies. Because, you know, cortisol's going up. I, I see it so often with my clients. You know, they'll be like, I can't somehow, I can't shift the weight even though I'm doing all this exercise. Yeah, and it's actually, yeah, well, you're yeah. overtraining. Yeah. Um, and yeah. that is combined with your work and your lifestyle, maybe your family life. That's putting so much oh, stress. Yeah. But actually, the body's going to hang on to that way yeah, yeah. because of the stress. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? Is it's, it's about being effective with your fitness and your training Absolutely. and hitting all those points. And it's incorporating all of those elements that you just talked about. Yeah. But maybe you don't have to do it in a week. Yes. You could kind of just ease off a little bit and do a bit of that and a bit of that one week, then do a bit of that and a bit of that in the other week. On another week. And then if you look at that, so rather than condensing and trying to do it in one week, do it in a month. So I don't know what, because it all depends on what Or even doing micro steps each day with certain things. So like I encourage my clients, for example, um, I'll always be saying to them, let's optimize your workspace. Because if you are sitting at a desk and yeah, you have to do it, have a standing desk, have an under desk treadmill. So you're walking while you're taking calls or I I mean at home I have one and I have my home office yeah and I have a kettlebell by my desk so I'll do you know the Pomodoro technique where I'll work 25 minutes and then it's five minutes off and I'll do some kettlebell swings or I'll do some body weight squats or I'll hop on a trampoline but I'm not normal anyway (laughs) but rebounding is amazing yeah but I think it just gives you energy that's the thing and then you instead of having like brain fog then suddenly you're alert and you're alive and you're back working effectively which is that's that's an education thing a lot people don't realize or know they can do that no exactly and it's and it's my, my because i haven't now, thought about it yeah yeah it's flexibility because i'm i've damaged myself over the years training training that i've done is my is the integrity of my shoulder uh, yeah. Yeah, i've got damage so i'm looking to undo that but then the flexibility of being able to move as we get older so when i'm i'm projected now when i'm 60 70 80 what cover body lifestyle do i want to be living then Mm-hmm. But being really present now, I think people often don't realise that you can stay fit into your eighties and nineties forever. forever. I think it was it Yoga Ananda. He died a couple of was it a year or two years ago. But he was doing headstands well into his nineties. I want a bit. I um, need some muscle ups. Do you know what muscle ups? Yeah, is? I know what muscle ups yeah, are. Yeah, so which are which are like impossible. They're when really tr- hard. When I tried to do a muscle up, I was looking up at the chins bar and I was thinking that. I was watching these, I was an open air gym in London. I was watching these kids do it. I'm thinking, wow, that's just, that's amazing. Yeah. I want to be able to do that. 
and it's but it was like impossible it took me three months to be able to do one so i want to be doing muscle ups and all that stuff when i'm 80. yeah why not and my dream is i want to be able to do the ring muscle ups you know the rings the olympic rings. yeah they're yeah. so hard because you've got to completely stabilize oh, your body oh, amazing. that's the thing but then as a boxer you have to have a very strong core yeah but it's, so, but it's a shoulder it's the shoulder rotation and movement to get yeah, up yeah i suppose yeah so but anyway but it's it's gymnastic strength, gymnastics. isn't it? Gymnastics. I think everyone should be doing gymnastics. I think everyone should do gymnastics. Everyone, as a base level of anything, if I had my time again to do gym, I'd do gymnastics right throughout. Mm. And I think that's key because the flexibility and strength that they've got to, to then maintain that as you get older, it's going to stand it's you good stead for later. It's amazing. I'll tell you what I've noticed is my daughter, she's coming up to seven, she's really into gymnastics. Um, my boys are less so. They play you know, rugby and football right. and other sports, tennis. But what I notice is where she's into the gymnastics is it's that flexibility. So we're all born with that flexibility. Yes, like yes. babies have no problems yes. touching their toes. And, yeah. But then it starts to go. And even in childhood, you yeah. start to see that flexibility drop off. And I think that is, you know, you're so right. I think that component of fitness is so overlooked, but so, so important. Yeah. But yeah um, so, so now looking back, I wish I'd have had that training as a kid. Because when you're 40, 50, yeah. a, lot, a, lot of people, a lot of people can't touch their toes. No. But it's never too late to start. That's no, the thing. Absolutely. So we can I'm, all do I'm it. On a, I'm on a mission up, and I have physical challenges now of doing a muscle up or whatever, mm. or, or touching my toes, and just that, that flexibility stuff. I, I want to be getting on the floor every day and stretching because it really makes a difference to my body yep. and how I feel. Well, it's funny actually because I notice, you know, just from my parents getting older, they yeah. find it harder to get out of a chair. Yeah. But what I say to people, as they're kind of some of my older clients, like 50s, 60s, is there is a day, even though you unconsciously haven't recognized it, where you actually had to put your hand yeah. first to help yourself out of the chair. Yeah. And on that day, if you decided then, yeah. I'm not going to let this happen, yeah. because I used to be able to get up out of a chair just yeah. using the strength of my legs and yeah. my glutes, yeah. and you continued to exercise those, you wouldn't lose it. But, you know, it's... I think people don't realise it's on such an unconscious level. Something just became slightly harder. Sliding, slowly, slippery slope down. Mm. Yeah. Until you, then something happens. Then you kind of go, okay, I need to make a change. Yes. Until you hit that point. Listen, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but we want to have some foresight, don't we? Exactly. That's the power of coaching. Because they can recognise someone outside can see those things and help you put the plan in place. And that's coaching. So look at using boxing as a metaphor. Your boxing coach. You'd be in the ring, your boxing coach would be sitting in the corner looking up at you and he can see things you can't see. Yes. And that's a coach. Yeah. Coaches can see things that you're dealing with but that you can't quite figure out or work out. So then, and then it's, yeah, be, be mindful of who, who is your coach. Are they tried and tested? Are they, have they been there and done it? Are they experienced what you want to experience? So that's, that's the thing, isn't it's it? It's important to get the right one. I think you need that throughout life. That's yeah. the thing. On and off, it doesn't necessarily even have to be the whole time. But if you think the first kind of 20 years for anyone, whether they're an athlete or not, they're at school and they're learning different skills, whether they're learning to play a musical instrument or they're learning in the classroom or they're learning at sport, yeah. there's always someone there yeah. showing you how to do it. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden you're an adult and you're like, oh, there's no one There's no one there now, right? I'm doing. I'm kind of on my own. And I think that's the thing. That's yeah. the power. And, and very successful people and athletes know this, is that if you I get think, coached... Yeah, so what's so good for us all now is like this... Is exactly podcasts, for yeah, example, because people can learn you on can the go. Learn when you're on the on the in your commute to work, in the car, on the treadmill, at home, there's, all the time. Traffic university. And there's and there's yes. uh, you got the, so the media that we have now just gives us the opportunity 
to listen to all types of people if you're willing to. Yes. And I think more people are are embracing a lot. Well, I always think if I um, if I read one book, if I read a book and I get one thing out of it, yeah. I've still learnt. Yeah. Just that one principle. Yeah. But I mean, yours has so much in it. It's such it's a powerful it's, book. It's, it's brilliant. Implementing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And teaching it, you learn so much better if you're actually talking to someone, even if that's your partner, yeah. about what you're reading, yeah. then you're implementing yeah. it, you're teaching it. We absolutely. learn through teaching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you mentioned Dr. Joe, because that's one of his things. He gets in his seminars, he gets you to talk to the person next to you about what he's just talked about. Yeah. So then you kind of get it for yourself. And you, you well, did, meditation is a, is a great thing for us all to do. Yeah, 100%. And gratitude. Slowly, yeah. That's one of the things yeah, that Joe yeah. Dispenza talks about, actually, that I found um, is, and, and I know this, I've practiced gratitude for a long time now, but it's about when you're thinking about that reality you want to create in the future and looking at your future self, it's being grateful for that yeah. Um, yeah. rather than saying, I'm grateful for that person I'm becoming, I'm grateful for whatever it is you're trying to attract, yeah, yeah, yeah. is having gratitude in the moment now and then not having that attachment to it and trusting it will happen yeah. and being grateful for it. That's a great, so to that, manifest that, it. So that in the morning as I'm coming out of sleep, that's the kind of, that's a great time for me to do. Is that, that when you do your yeah, gratitude? I, I do my that's when I create my day when I'm because we're when awake so we've got beta, alpha, theta and delta brainwave. Yes. So as we're going into sleep, we come into beta, we go into alpha. So then we as we're coming out so that's so you get into alpha state, that that wavelength, that kind of doziness. So that's when I, I do that kind of work. I just create and fantasize about this, that, and yeah, what's going to happen every morning. Yeah, yeah. You'll visualize yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll try and yeah, yeah. I do. Yeah, yeah. Depends what. Yeah, where I'm at or wherever. Yeah. Do you have a specific morning routine that you follow each morning? I kind of do that. I do that every morning. I'd, I'd say that I do that. It's rare that I don't do that. I might there's some some days I kind of. All depends on where I, where I'm where I'm at. I might be in a hotel. I might have to get up and get out quickly, and I might not yeah. have time to do that. But generally, I'll I'll do that. I'll I'll have water, drink lots of water. I have my supplements, my nutritional supplements, and I like to have um, apple cider vinegar. If I'm okay. at home, I can have, yeah. I can have a half a freshly squeezed lemon. I have a pint of water, warm lemon water, half a freshly squeezed lemon, apple cider vinegar. First thing in the morning. First thing in yeah, the morning. So good. And that Himalayan salt. Okay. Yeah. So I have mixed that up and that's that's my start of the day. That's that really morning. hydrates you. That's my morning. And ritual. detoxes. Yeah. I get the salt in there as well, yeah. Yeah. And then the supplements I take. So then then I'm off to a good start. That's the thing. I think we lose something like a liter of water through breathing during the night. Yeah. People don't realise they wake up kind of groggy and they think, Oh, I'll reach for the coffee machine, but actually it's it's hydration yeah. first. Yeah, I don't think I don't, I don't think we drink enough water. No. I think it's that's important. common. So, so important. So important. That's something, yeah. Well, we're so much water, aren't we? Yeah. About 70% makes water. Sense. Makes sense, doesn't it? Mm. There's a lot of things do. Yeah, for yeah. sure. But we don't implement it. No, but it's about having that plan. And this book's amazing because it gives you that. I love the way you've done it in rounds. Yeah. I think it's brilliant. It kind of fits. It's inspired. It does. Well, um, we've been through wave where people can find you, find the book. I'm going to link to all of that in the show notes and everything that we've discussed today. It's all going to be there. So yeah. thank you so much for coming My on the show, Billy. We'll be straight the I know, I know. We, we could have, have gone have, on all day. We'll have a rematch. We'll, we'll have, have a rematch. We'll have a rematch. That would be future. amazing. Yeah, we'll get you back on the show. Fantastic. Um, brilliant. Thank you so much for coming on. And thank you. Good luck. Good luck to everybody. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Remember to review and subscribe. 
You can grab the show notes, the resources, and highlights of everything Angela mentioned over at AngelaFosterPerformance.com. You can also snatch up plenty of other goodies, including the highly helpful Angela Recommends page, which is a list of everything she personally recommends to optimize your mind, body, and lifestyle. 